0: For joining us, this is Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. I'm a clinical psychologist, leadership consultant, and a really big fan of you getting to fulfill your life purpose. I want you to get unstuck and unlock your potential relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and vocationally. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And I have an awesome privilege of being with my dear friend, Craig Groshens. He actually does my uh, prayer inner healing freedom sessions for myself. Uh, so as you know, on this channel, I am a big proponent of doing the walk yourself as a leader, as an influencer, uh, that this is not something that you're just going to go out for others, but that we really want to lead from health in our souls, that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks you will have reactions and even unconscious reactions come out of you and so if you're not doing the work on yourself um i would caution you from getting too much knowledge without enough internal transformation to back it up because knowledge puffs up while love builds up and there's something that happens in relationship with people that you trust and that you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to not always be the position of leader or influencer or title or whatever you as the listener might be used to being in that role and so i want to bring this awesome friend of mine so that you can hear some of the cool things Things that God's doing in his life, the transformation that God's done. Um, and then even in this season, some of the things that are helping him get unlocked and helping him unlock others so that we can get free too. So Craig, thank you for being on this episode.
1: Wow. Thank you, Shannon. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to help somebody get free, what are some of the things that are on your heart, on your radar? What are you thinking about as you're connecting with somebody?
1: Hmm. Well, you know, I guess I would have to start here because when I first started doing the ministry that I do now, what I was called to, I thought that we were in inner healing and deliverance ministry, right? And so Inner healing is the term that's been given to psychological, emotional, and uh, physical healing. That's the natural outflow of connecting with the One, mm-hmm. right? The One, like the the real soul right? The real soul doctor, and uh, and deliverance is just about removing anything that would keep people from experiencing Him. Yeah, right. That would create a just a blocking, uh, like a blocking agent to receiving that transformative love. Mm. So that's where I started. But where I've landed over time is that I've discovered more of what our commission is, is to help people develop a relational language. Mm. And the reason why we do this is so that people can do what I call continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so... It says this, it says that in, in John 17, three, Jesus defines eternal life. He says, eternal life is to know God, Genosco. And that word in the Greek genosco means a deep, intimate, firsthand experiential knowledge. What that means is that you will not genosco God through another person. And so that's where I've landed is when I'm approaching, uh, you know, from a ministry perspective, like meeting someone, I want to lead them into the heart of God. I want them to experience the transformative power of his love for them. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is we're helping people develop that language so that they can, they can talk to him and experience him and he can reveal himself to them. And basically what he's doing is he's persuading them of who he really is to them, how wonderful they are to him mm-hmm. and how he desires to use them in, in on the earth, how he desires to use their life you know, for the greater vision of his destiny for them. Mm-hmm. So that's my perspective is like, when I'm meeting with someone, um, I wanna hear their heart, I wanna get to know them yeah. and I wanna be a shield bearer to them, which means I wanna come alongside them and, and I want to, uh, I want to join them in their journey. Mm-hmm. And so I'm less disc, you know, they're not exactly sitting on the couch so that I can do the Jesus stuff to them. It's more like I'm coming alongside them and we're learning how to hear and experience Jesus together. And I'm helping guide them into that. Wow. And, that and you know that we need each other for that, yeah. right? So that's my that's where I start is I want to get to know you, I want to hear your heart, and then together we're going to journey into the heart of God.
0: That's so good. And I think um, for many of you out there, you may not necessarily have a leadership position. While well, some of you may have an official title of leader, and it may be in a thousand different capacities. But I think the distinction that Craig is highlighting for us is it's less about control and agenda. And it's more about connecting and leaning into relationship and partnering with what God would want to do. So if you're a therapist, a pastor, a manager, a boss, whatever role you are, wouldn't it be sweet that instead of the way the world does it, where we come in with an agenda and a task and an assignment and it's transfer of knowledge and information. And instead, what if we do slow down? We take some deep breaths. We ground ourselves in the presence of God and say, Hey, Lord, what are you doing? How can I partner with what you're doing in this person's life and just take all that pressure and stress and agenda off so that I can lean in and be present with them in their journey and trusting that the Holy spirit will flow and the ideas will come and whatever, if you're in a business setting, the agenda will get accomplished and it will get so much more clean and effectively done because you are not doing it by the arm of the flesh, but you're flowing with the spirit.
1: So good. Absolutely. Because, you know, a shepherd doesn't put a leash on a, on a sheep and drag it to a greener pasture,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? What with, with the, the sheep is eating, it's grazing right where it is. Yeah, And the shepherd remains in the presence of the sheep and it protects it. And it earns a place, mm-hmm. you know, and the sheep begins to learn the voice of the shepherd begins to become aware of where the shepherd is because the shepherd will protect it from the wolves, from the lions, from the bears. And then over time, once the shepherd has earned that place, well, the sheep will follow the shepherd to a greener pasture, right? So I love what you're saying. It's like, I'm not here for an agenda. I'm here because there's an overflow in my heart of love and compassion. I love because God first loved me. Mm -hmm. So I spend enough time meeting him and him loving me. And there's an overflow of that towards others. Yes. It, actually, actually, if I could share something, this is something that yeah. was just really hitting me recently. Yeah. What's more important in leadership? Is it more important that I exercise authority and power and prove that I'm right? Or is it more important that I meet a person's heart?
0: Mm.
1: It's like, I measure what's really important yeah. You know, like I look at someone, maybe they're having a response towards me that I feel is disrespectful.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
1: Right? I can share that with them. I can say, hey, what's happening right now feels disrespectful. Can we just take a break from this conversation and, and come back to it a little later? Yeah. Right. That, that would be a really healthy way to approach that rather than getting emotional and, <laughs> And so I I can give this thing of what's happening to God and I can say, God, I trust you in your faithfulness to come to me and tell me what's right in this. And I'm not going to move until you show me. And what God shows me is he says, hey, this person responded to you in this way Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: they've never been mentored in a healthy way. They've never been fathered in a healthy way. Wow. And so what is what is better, Craig, that you would exercise power and authority over them, which I could do, I could say, hey,
0: sure.
1: I, I'm in charge here, this is how I see it, and this is how it's gonna get done, right? And I may even be
0: right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Or, or I could come back to them and meet them and like, hear their heart, be intentional, look them in the eyes, hear what's going on with them, And without bringing correction, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm creating a safe place for them to have to freely express themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And
1: suddenly I'm winning their heart the way the shepherd wins the heart of the sheep. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: creating loyalty.
1: Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, uh, and that's scriptural. Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. Mm the word meek in the Greek is praus, And it means power under control.
0: Mm.
1: It means that, yeah, I do have power and authority in this relationship, but I don't necessarily have to exercise it. Wow. So.
0: Wow. So I'm thinking of a lot of positions where that could be in an everyday, you maybe some people are therapists or inner healing, or they do ministry explicitly. And then some may be listening that are parents or spouses or managers or bosses, or um, you could even lead up. So maybe you're a, you know, work at a store and then the person above you that we, um, we have free will. And so we can choose to operate in our rights and you can do that. But you're not going to get the harvest. And so especially what we know with neuroscience is a lot more is caught than taught. What is modeled, it brings transformation, right? You want to show and not tell. And so in the way that you treat somebody, you're going to the deeper, the unconscious part of them. That's part of their relational grid. And for most of us, that gets established zero to six years old that first imprint of how do we do relationships which is all pre um a language where people sit down and say hey this is how you connect with others and this is how you use authority and this is how you uh, balance task versus um, connection and so when all of that is being imprinted it becomes automaticity in the unconscious mind and what craig and i were talking about before the video started today or podcast started, is that many times we can get very transactional. So if you're a parent trying to connect with a kid, and you're trying to get them to comply and do the task, the behavior, the chore, whatever you're trying to get them to do, you could do it as a task and trying to conform their behavior Or I think Craig is helping us see maybe there's a slower and an alternative approach birth through relationship and humanity of truly seeing the person going slow, the path of humility or meekness. And then what you're doing is you're not only getting them to transform at a cognitive level, but now you're helping the Mm. unconscious mind develop a new relational grid or template. And the cool thing is whether manager, parent, spouse, friend, you've now opened their relational template to receive that God could be that way with them. Mm. And so that's fantastic. There's this really neat parallel process that happens that I only have one of me. So I take me to my relationships. And if those templates continue to be power um, differentials, where I am the task, I'm the power, I'm the exclusive authority, and you don't get a say, we can do that. Or we could humble ourselves, become a servant leader like Christ, and ask the Lord, how do I engage them relationally in a way that frees up their template to see equity, And vulnerability and safety, and they're more likely to perceive the Lord through that and be able to engage with a Father who loves them and wants to delight in them, even when they make mistakes.
1: Wow, Shannon, I wish that I wish that you could just like do a voiceover of my life because you just put that in such an extraordinarily beautiful way. Uh, You just really, really, I outlined that and highlighted the the spirit of it in such an awesome way it made me it reminded me of a story if i could if i could share this so um so me me and my wife have two dogs uh one of them is eight years old one of them is now 11 months old the first one mishka is a miniature australian shepherd she's mishka is uh russian for little bear and when we got the new puppy she's a full size when we got the new puppy she was like so peaceful. We were like, wow, this is the most peaceful puppy in the world. And so we're like, you know what? We're going to name her Olive as an olive branch, right? Because she carries so much peace. But within a couple of days, she got really comfortable being at <laughs> home and she started to show <laughs> her true colors. And she is like off the wall. Like there is nothing that is quiet or small about her, her entire personality is like, I'm gonna chew metal, I'm gonna chew rocks, I'm gonna do a backflip off this wall and scare the you know, scare you to death, you know? And uh, it was just barking everything and, and pee everywhere because I need to mark everything. And it was just, it was crazy. It was a whole new experience because our, our first dog had been so such a sweetie. And uh, then I realized that we didn't name her Olive for the branch, we named her Olive for the garden like where you get <laughs> crushed like an olive you know so oil comes out of you right and uh, and it was funny because we got the puppy my wife wanted her and within the first week we got her my wife had plans to travel to California for 10 days to be with her sister for her birthday and so I was at home doing like the daddy detail with all the animals like the two dogs and the cat and doing my regular schedule now parents of like three or four children feel free to laugh at me because <laughs> this was my introduction okay like I was just I was he was just getting me ready for the children that we were going to have um but I was having a really hard time and she was like keeping me up all night barking at me all the time wouldn't take naps and I started to feel this like anger rising in me and this need to control her come on and and I hated it. I hated how it made me feel yeah. because it reminds me of how I was. It reminded me of how I was parented in many ways. Yeah. And I, I, me, and my me and my parents, we have a lovely relationship now. We've worked through all this stuff. Yeah. So I don't want to throw them under the bus. They did beautiful things in my life, but there was elements of manipulation and control there.
0: Sure. Right. Which is in a uh, lot of families. For anybody listening who hasn't explored family of origin, um, we can very much love and honor our families. But that is common because when we feel out of control as parents, it's very common to try to control and manipulate because I feel fear of being out of control. And so I do want to normalize what he's sharing is actually statistically super common. So hopefully you can maybe even put yourself in his shoes and be like, huh, maybe I've actually done that and didn't even realize it.
1: Wow. Wow. Super good. And so I was feeling that and I was feeling this almost like a violent anger rising out of me, almost like I wanted to like push her down and force her to be quiet. Yeah. And she is this cute, fluffy, little mm, snuggly, little, just want to eat you like a little marshmallow of a puppy. You understand? Like, I love, I, I love this puppy. Like I look at her and my heart melts. I'm a dog lover. I love animals. Right. And so to have this like kind of violent anger rising up in me to control her, mm. it literally made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. And I remember bringing this to the Lord and being like, God, what is going on? I thought this was dealt with in my heart. I thought like we were, fr- I was free of this thing. Yeah. And he said to me, so simple. He said to me, Craig, go meet her where she is. Mm. And, you know, I was having a lot of trouble working throughout the day because she was creating so much noise and wouldn't nap. And so, you know what I did? I went and laid with her on the kitchen floor where she was three times a day at her nap time. And I held her and I looked her in the eyes and I said, you are such a little angel. Mm. You are daddy's little angel. And I, and I pet her and within 20 minutes, she would fall asleep. And it was reminding me of who God is to me and how he would come and meet me. Come on. And he'd lay on the cold floor
0: Mm.
1: and he would you know, and he would just hug me and hold me. Yeah. And within two or three days of doing that, she was on schedule. She was napping at the right time. Wow. Um, didn't deal with the other stuff though, you know, because <laughs> she's still a puppy and she's running around chewing everything, and eating everything and peeing everywhere and stuff. So uh, I was looking at, you know, training dogs. And he showed me that one of the most important things was to, train a dog to look you in the eyes. Mm. And so I would, I would train her. i say, Hey, Olive, look at me, sweetie. Mm -hmm. Look at me, look at me. And when she would look at me, I would treat her. I'd give her a piece of chicken. Good. Look at me. Good. Look at me. And within a very short period of time, it had developed a a connection and a Mm. confidence in her of my connection with her. Right. And that immediately started to change how she responded to me and how she listened to me, knowing that I was safe. She could look at me because dogs, when you look at a dog in the eyes and it's okay for them to look you in the eyes, it means that you're an equal to them. Mm. Think about that, right? Like I want to exert control and force, but instead I'm bringing myself down to her level and I'm saying, I am equal with you. Wow. Now, here's the crazy thing, Shannon. You ready for this? Mm. I started to notice that my other dog, the eight-year-old, couldn't look me in the eyes. Hmm. And so she was very obedient to me, very obedient. Like I can walk around on the street with her and I could tell her, Hey, come here and sit down. And she would. But when I tried to get a look at me in the eyes, she couldn't look me in the eyes for more than a split second. She had to look away. Wow. And it broke my heart. You know what I realized? That I had trained her to be obedient through submission and through power and authority rather than through love and connectedness Mm. and creating a confidence in her soul.
0: Yeah.
1: And she's extremely anxious. This dog like Mm. thunderstorms drive her crazy, loud noises. She loses it all the time. Yeah. And I started to realize how my actions towards her, and exerting the power and authority had actually created a soul issue for her. Wow. And so I started to do this with her. I said, hey, look at me. No, sweet, it's okay, baby. Look at me. Mm-hmm. And every time she would look at me, I would treat her. Within about a month and a half, she started to be able to hold my gaze for about a second or two. Now, 10, 11 months later, she will look me straight in the eyes and paw me and tell me she wants chicken. <laughs> so. <laughs> She developed that confidence. Yeah. And I thought it was so cool that God was teaching me about who he is to us through my relationship with my dog. Mm. And then it hit me that God is dog spelled backwards. Right. (laughs) And it was like, We were given, we we were given as authority over the earth to care for its creatures, Mm. and I believe there's a lot to be gleaned from that as far as like learning God's heart for us. Mm -hmm. And and final thing, I know that was like a really long
0: dissertation, but yeah.
1: You know, it says that you never train a dog through punishment. Mm You always train a dog through positive reinforcement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's who God is.
0: Yeah,
1: He always comes and he reinforces what's positive. So if a dog is chewing on something, it shouldn't be chewing on. You don't say, darn it, bad dog. I told you to drop that. You don't do that. what no, you do. You go squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. I have a squeaky toy over here. Isn't this fun? Look how fun this is. Look how fun this is. And they drop the wrong thing and they come to that. And then you treat them. Come on. And you're programming their soul
0: mm-hmm. through
1: positive reinforcement. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: it was just he did so much in me through this process.
0: Yeah. But
1: learning who he is, you know. That's a yeah. perfect example of the shepherd thing. You yeah, know, we were just talking about.
0: Absolutely. And I think you're touching on something so important. My brain's naturally thinking through, gosh, how many times in a work situation that we want to reprimand and just go directly to the punishment of the behavior and redirect them instead of going, how can I positively reinforce the behavior I do want? And how many times we're not actually telling people how they can win. It's just what they shouldn't be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And so we become defeated. And in psychology, that's Mm -hmm. called learned helplessness. So why bother trying? Because no matter what I'm going to do, it's not ever going to be right. It's not going to be enough. And there's lots of families as well that are stuck in that dynamic where maybe some parents have gotten really tired and frustrated and weary. And so they're just trying to do the best they can to get through the day. And I'm thinking of, gosh, how many families through the pandemic are now working from home? So the situation you shared was so applicable um, that whether it's a dog or it's family, members, kids like that. Everybody's in the house. We've seen a lot of stress on marriage. That's come. I mean, some marriages are thriving through it. And then some are really struggling because there's so much stress and demand. And when we feel flooded, scared, overwhelmed, out of control, afraid that we can't get the task done, we revert to that fear and control, which turns into punishment. That's the behavior extension of those emotions. And so most of us aren't walking around thinking, what am I feeling right now? Right? We just see, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to get the thing done and the water spills and nothing is working right. And I can't get my Zoom to work. And so then you're just yelling and you're mad at yourself and you feel guilty and so you try to undo it instead of going, man, my heart probably needs a corrective experience of what God is like with me first. And then out of that outpour, out of that overflow, then I can't help but act that way with others. And so, you know, the natural psychologist in me wants to think through, you know, this is happening in your work situation. This allegory that God gave him is so clear and poignant for how we can relate with people. Because in essence, eye contact, and especially if his eyes were kind and not domineering, what it's Mm -hmm. doing, mirror neurons, the brain of the other. So if it's a child, a you know, an employee or an animal, what they're doing is they're seeing you see them and that co-regulates the central nervous response and so there's tons of GABA that starts getting released because I see you seeing me without disapproval without frustration and I need many people to pause right now because when we try to force people to have eye contact it's usually when we're disappointed look at me I said look at me do Mm -hmm. you hear me and we're trying to reinforce a point. and what you're doing is your facial expressions, eye to eye is saying I don't approve of you. And people are egocentric. So even though you're trying to redirect a behavior, you know, the chewing and the squeaking and the disrespect or whatever, what you're really saying is I see you as disapproval, I see you as not good, and you don't bring me pleasure. And so then that spikes, that central nervous response, increasing anxiety, and then they feel unsafe. And so they're more likely to act out, which is the definition of punishment. Punishment 100% leads to more acting out because people feel powerless. They feel out of control. They feel unsafe. And so now they're going to redirect that nervous energy into an acting out behavior. It may be behind your back. You know, many of us have little secret sin lives behind, and then we come to God on Sunday and we pay our tithe and we have our little (laughs) Bible study, but then we're having this whole little rebellion out here because I don't trust that you're good because I've projected authority figures, family of origin leaders of the past, that God is like that, that he's punishing and he's disapproval and eye contact represents unsafety. But I think what Craig is so poignantly pointing out for us is when his eye contact said, I see you, I love you, I care about you, he got on the floor, which is on the level of the one he was trying to relate with. So sometimes that's if you're in a work situation, maybe that's taking off that veneer of being the one in control and power and just saying, hey, can we go on a walk? Hey, can we grab coffee or we, can we just kind of sit and maybe you come from behind the desk and you're now sitting next to the person you're being present with them in a way that's very different than this power differential desk to, you know, smaller chair on the other side of the desk. Or if you're a parent, maybe going to the room of the kid and then sitting on the floor with them. If it's drawing with them or playing with them or listening to the music that they like a big part of attachment theory is that you would give an hour a day to your child saying, I'm gonna follow your play. Instead of me trying to direct or lead or teach or have a really great uh, you know, Jesus moment where I'm gonna to try to make this a poignant little illustration, you're wow. actually fully present and you're letting the child lead and you're following their lead for at least an hour of day. And what they found is the acting out that people are like, this child is oppositional defiant or ADHD. They've got so many problems. What we found instead of just sticking the kid in therapy, is if you can co-regulate by saying, I see you, I get on the floor in the cold kitchen and I'm just present with you. What I'm doing is I'm conveying a sense of security that I'm not going anywhere. And even when you act out, I'm still going to meet you. I'm still going to be present. And I'm still going to give that unconditional love that tells the mirror neurons of the other, you are worth loving just as you are. And when that happens, that down regulates that stress response, fear and aggression, the amygdala is the first part of the brain to go, okay, I can turn off now. So if you have people in your life who are acting out, one, you're not responsible for other people's behavior, but two, maybe do a little check and wonder, are you maybe exacerbating some of it on accident without realizing it? Because you're so focused on behavior modification that you're not taking time to be A consistent, stable source of unconditional love that helps them calm down. And then as you do it at the human level, then that can help create that bridge of seeing God relating with them as well. And then freeing them up to have this continual conversation with the Lord that lives beyond just those moment interactions that you have with them.
1: Wow. I was getting so touched in my heart as you were saying all that. (laughs) And I was, I was really drinking deep from that. Uh, it brought up two things for me. And because you you talked about punishment and you also talked about the need for us to connect with God and experience his love and the overflow that that causes. Yeah. So, you know, in I believe it's in Matthew 11, Jesus says this about himself. He says, hey, come and learn from me. So in essence, he's like putting his arm around you, like you said, coming out from behind the desk, putting his arm around you, taking a walk down to the break room, pouring you a cup of coffee. He says, come and learn from me. He says, Mm -hmm. you will find that I am gentle and humble in heart. Yes. And you will find rest for your soul.
0: (laughs) Come on.
1: Right. Yes. And, and, And if you think about this, Jesus he could have chosen any two words to best describe himself. He, sa- he could have said, wise, powerful, just, awesome. He could have said, strong. I am. No, he said, gentle
0: mm. and humble. That's good.
1: And so, what that means to me is that there are so many more layers and levels for us to experience just how gentle and humble he really is. Yeah. And as we do that, it transforms us and it changes us more into who he is for us. Yeah. Right. Cause he's patterning. He's, he's, he's the patron. He's the parent. He's the the boss, the Lord. He's the master. He's, he's patterning what it can look like in how we interact with others in this way. It's good. Gentle and humble. And by the way, there's that word gentle again, prowess, power under control. Mm. I want to hit that real quick, actually, yeah, because yeah. they, so in the ancient times, they would train horses for war. Mm-hmm. And a, once a whole, and, and think about this, a horse, I don't know if people know this, a horse is a big chicken. It is scared of everything as powerful and majestic as a horse is, it, its ears spin on top of its head, like little satellite dishes, 24 hours a day, because it's listening to every little noise around it all the time. And that's why at the slightest little sound, it'll take off on a gallop. Yeah. So horses actually look to us to protect them, which is kind of crazy to me. But they're like big chickens. They're scared of everything. And so imagine a horse being trained to go into a place of atrocity where there is like men dying, the smell of death in the air, arrows are flashing, swords screaming.
0: Mm.
1: And they need to be, able to stand firm in that. Yeah. And not move even as like their natural instinct would be to run.
0: Yeah.
1: A horse was pronounced praus when it was ready for war.
0: Wow.
1: Once a horse could stand there and not move until the master told it to, that's when the horse was praus. Wow. That paints a very different picture of like gentle and meek. Mm. Because you think meek, you think like, oh, oh, okay, you can do whatever you want. You know, like I'm just flowy and I'll just bend. No, it's the opposite. It's I am powerful and majestic, but I don't have a need to exert that. Yeah. I'll move when the master tells me to move.
0: Wow, that's good.
1: So Jesus says, I am gentle, I am prowess and I am humble. Mm. And that word humble, if you look it up, has to do with full reliance on God to do for us. Imagine I didn't have to show my wife where she is wrong and how she's disrespecting me. Come on. Imagine, like it says in the scriptures, Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, sacrificial love, right? Mm -hmm. Verse 26, so that she might be sanctified. So, So check this out. What if every moment in my relationship with my wife is a chance for me to be like Jesus was for me, to sacrifice himself? And the blood of my sacrifice will be oil in the hinges of the doors of her heart that open her heart to God, so that he can do something in her. Mm. But I don't have to exert my power. Wow. Or my presence as a man, like,
0: Mm. I'm
1: big, and I have a low voice, and I can exert my presence. And, you know, what if, instead, I said, I, I said, wow, this is another chance Right now, I feel disrespected. This is another chance for, for me to take the lower road. Wow. You know you know what, baby? This feels a little disrespectful to me right now. Is there something that I did that made you feel unloved? Done. And then God, and then the God can work, right? <laughs> now God can do it. Full reliance on him. So... I just need to dive into that because if we know Jesus in this way, if we know him as gentle and humble, then we will be this way towards others. Yes. It's not rocket science. It's Mm -hmm. just getting to know him in this capacity.
0: Yeah.
1: And can can you do that by reading the Bible? Sure. Can you do that through conversation? Sure. Can he speak to you through a secular song? Absolutely. Can it be done in a hug? Can it be done in a dream? Can it be done through a dog, <laughs> through a little puppy? It, it's all him.
0: Yeah, it's all him. Yeah. He'll
1: meet you right where you're at. He'll come cuddle with you on the floor in the kitchen. You know,
0: so good. That's how gentle and humble
1: he really is.
0: Come on.
1: So I had to hit that, and I want to hit punishment too, but I, I yeah. want to hear if you. <laughs>
0: Oh gosh, so good. Uh, I'm just <laughs> thinking, man, if every single couple I work with in marriage therapy could just be a part of this one conversation, like if we could just snippet that one part, how many long-term fights and power struggles would just dissipate. If we could right. truly live like the gospel. And stop the power struggle and the posturing and protecting ourselves and feeling threatened. And so now I have my right to stand up for myself. But if we do the kingdom and, you know, even saying, hey, that did disrespect me, that did hurt and it stung. But instead of retaliating, saying, is there something I've done? And then unlocking a deeper level of communication, connection, intimacy, because many times people can be disrespectful and not even realize it. Most people are not viciously setting out to destroy somebody else's day. But if nobody asked me, Hey, are you okay? That didn't come across the way you normally would talk. And I know that's not who you are, um, but that kind of stung a little bit. Can we unpack if something's been going on? Have I done anything? Just that one posture of humility and meekness to not assert and dominate over but to be like Christ, who is a servant leader that empowers and lifts up now, like a flower, she can't help, but be in love with the man who cares about her heart. And then the kindness of the Lord that draws us to repentance. Now, when somebody is treasuring me, I can't help, but want to honor and respect and do the right thing Mm -hmm. and feel the sweet conviction of the Lord that brings sanctification. And now you've won somebody's heart. Versus just asserting your will, getting your way, you break their will, and then now you've got compliance on the outward, but their heart is far from you. And that's a lot of marriages today, unfortunately.
1: So good. That's it. And, and I think that's a perfect lead in for this second part, because it, it's, it's, it's all coming out of a place of misunderstanding, punishment, and mm-hmm. discipline. And uh, that's one of the things that we work with, with people actually punishment, the what we call the punishment paradigm is what drives a lot of si- sin cycle, like things that hold us captive. I'm doing what I don't want to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, it's because we have to wear a mask. You talked about it earlier, Shannon, where you said like, well, I go and do my tithe and I put the church face on and, you know, but it, meanwhile, there's this thing that's happening over here behind me. Yeah. And one of the things that drives that is that we don't yet have a revelation of the heart of God towards us. Mm-hmm. And we remain in, in this false uh, paradigm of, of punishment. You know, it's it's our perception of Him that needs to change. And so, you know, we'll notice this, for instance, in Genesis, right? Where um, Adam and Eve eat the fruit and God comes to them and he says, well, this is now what's going to happen. And most people, well, I should be careful, not most, but many people might say that, well, God cursed Adam and Eve and the earth. And I'm like, well, did he? Because the scriptures say themselves, blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth. Hmm. So is God going to tell me not to curse someone and then curse his loved ones? It's a little off for me. And there's this place where he tells Adam, he says, hey, because of what you have done, you will eat bread by the sweat of your face all the days of your life. And when you toil in the land, when you work in your own strength, it's going to bear you thorns and thistles. A lot of people see God like how we've been talking, like angry, eyes wide Mm -hmm. over Adam. Now this is what will happen.
0: Yeah,
1: But because of how I've met God and how he's shown, shown me who he is and changed my paradigm. I see him in a total different light. Yeah. I see him coming to Adam like a little boy and getting down on one knee, getting down on his level and looking at him, hey buddy, look at me, Adam. And you know, like little boys are there. just kind of like looking away because little boys don't want to look you in the eyes when they feel guilty or ashamed. And he says, hey, come here, son. And he turns his face to him. He looks him in the eyes. I love you, Adam. I love you. Because you have done this, you're going to eat bread by the sweat of your face all the days of your life. The garden is no longer a safe place for you. You must go from here. But where you go, I will be with you. Mm. Since the foundation of the earth, I have a plan. Yeah. And I will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I will be God with you. So go now. I love you, son. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different perspective.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and so this is the example I want to use. So, you know, let's say my five-year-old son, I tell him all the time, I say, Hey buddy, be careful running around the kitchen when your mom's cooking, you know, I don't want you to touch anything in there. You shouldn't be touching. And one day puts his hands on a hot stove and he burns himself and so he's crying he's freaking out and stuff and i can choose to be punishing i could say get over here. i told you so many times not to come in this kitchen gosh darn it right yeah i can choose to be punishing or i could choose to discipline mm. and so he's crying and i come to him and i say Hey, i know hey come here buddy Daddy's burnt himself enough times. I know that hurts. Come here. I love it. You know what we're going to do? We put a little, you know, cold compress on there and I'm going to hold you and, and I create a safe place. And, you know, so he's crying it out. And then once he's done and I've calmed him down, I'm like, Hey, that doesn't feel too bad anymore. Right. It's not too bad. Then I, I say, son, look at me, look him in the eyes. Mm. Hey, I hate to see you get hurt. That's why I told you just to be careful in there, okay? Right, and in the future, be careful when your mom's cooking in the kitchen. I love you, kid. I love you. Such a big difference between punishment and discipline. Yeah. And some people think that the burn is the punishment. Right. I'm like, no, no. That's just the repercussion of the action. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a safety precaution because if it didn't burn me and I didn't feel pain, then I would leave my hand on the stove and it would burn off my whole arm and and I would be destroyed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes.
1: So the repercussion is to protect me, but it's all about how I approach this situation. Yeah. And and that's the thing. We got to come out from the punishment paradigm, we have to come into healthy discipline. Yeah. And that's that's what we're talking about is leadership that can actually communicate
0: that. Exactly exactly so we need to break our own projections of seeing god as smiting zeus far away abraham lincoln who's distant and disapproving uh staying in his mighty chair far away so for any of you out there who are hearing this and they're like it kind of sounds too good to be true i'm not so sure about this where is that in scripture i just have a sense that some people might be hearing this through um maybe your own experience your own emotions um and if you would God will lead you into all truth. Don't listen to us by any means. If you are skeptical and you're not sure about all of this, ask him and he will lead you into all truth and be aware that your human experience is tinted by your life experience on a broken planet that is based on shame, fear, and control. And so punishment is the way to make me feel less anxious in a shame, fear, and control dynamic. So if you've had any background where there was very strong authority, very authoritarian authority, uh, which means high expectations and very low warmth, then you may be projecting that onto God. And then we read scripture through that. And I can say in my own life that I was like an assassin toward myself with scripture. Like I would quote that I am dead men's bones. I am the wicked and the unrighteous Pharisee. Um, And the whole time that wasn't actually God's voice. But I was using scripture based on my lived experience of authority figures based on fear and shame and control that I was trying to protect myself from an authority figure being mad at me. So I projected that was God. And so now I'm going to use scripture, attack myself to keep me in line so that I'm perfect and he doesn't have to smite me, correct me, take something away, this very fear-based parenting. And so when I break that projection, it helps my soul get out of the way and then my spirit connect with the holy spirit and i can hear the sweetness and the kindness and just as another illustration let me just for those who are struggling with some of these concepts let me ask you when you live in fear shame control authority posturing positions who is asking about the hope that lies within hmm. who is asking i want to know more about that jesus no <laughs> no they're not let's be honest If you are so concerned with God being this authority figure who is smiting and punishing and directing, and you're probably coming across that way, whether you realize it or not. And for us to love you well is to maybe highlight some areas where you are doing the very thing you think God is like to others. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to ask about Jesus and the good news of the gospel if you are such a dominant authority. But if instead I say, hey, God, if you really are perfect love, if perfect love really drives out all fear, if God is love, then 1 Corinthians 13 is the description of who God is. God is patient. God is kind. God is gentle. God keeps no record of wrong. He is not envious. He's not jealous or self-seeking. The nature of God is love. And yes, he is justice. And yes, he is a mercy. And we're not talking about indulging sin by any means. I know a lot of people can hear something like this and go to the nth degree thinking uh, cheap grace. I promise you this is the complete opposite. Because when God wins my heart, I want to obey. I don't want to sin. The ways of the world are gross and displeasing to me. And I'll tell you the difference in my own life. When I thought God was this big authority figure that I had so much unhealthy fear toward, and I believe in the healthy fear of the Lord, but I was like full of toxic fear of the Lord. Nobody asked about the hope that lies within. I had nobody asking about like, I want to know the Jesus you know. But now on this side of saying, hey, God is perfect love. And for me, that started really simple. I started going through the Bible and highlighting with my favorite color, all the passages about God's nature. And do you want to know what came up the absolute most? Loving kindness. Throughout all of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, the biggest description of the actual nature of God when he's describing himself is loving kindness. That's who God is anything else needs to submit and i need to ask him for clarity through a human lens where we see in part we prophesy in part through a glass dimly and so for us today If you are struggling with seeing God as loving and kind and would get on the floor and take a nap with you and give you eye contact and be like, hey, buddy, you're chewing and making messes again, but let me show you the squeaky toy. Come back over here. Um, That may be because of your own life experience that's limited your ability to fall in love with the Lord. And I will tell you now on this side where I'm in love and I think he's fantastic and I want to tell everybody about him. People ask about the hope that lies within. People want to know my testimony. They want to know about that God. So the gospel actually goes further when you have a love encounter, when you've known the love of the Father. And for some of you, this might be really foreign. Um, And if so, then great. Have a conversation. Ask him. And then start connecting with healthy community. Craig is a great resource. Never Gives Up is his ministry. You can connect with him and a thousand other wonderful ministries out there that can start moving you in that direction of, hey, Lord, what does it look like for my heart to be so enraptured and in love that I lose the taste for sin? I lose the taste of wanting to disobey because you've gotten my heart. And so now I feel loyal and protective and desiring of this uh, relationship. And so I think that what Craig has done, and obviously we're going to have to have him for a million more episodes, um, but he's really helped us go from this cerebral head knowledge where you check off the list and you do the thing, but really how do we live in such a relational equity with the Lord for ourselves that then when you're with a puppy, a child, a coworker, uh, a boss, a spouse, how do I emulate that? How do I live that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you have struggled in your relationships and you want to shame and blame your spouse and your kids and your coworkers, maybe we start with ourselves and say, Hey Lord, if I'm getting that reaction out of them, what am I doing? That may not be making them feel safe. And how can I be meek like the horse and say, I am submitted under your lordship. You are so tender and careful with my heart that I want to be responsible and responsive to the care and the tenderness of someone else's heart. And I think you will see a huge transformation and shift in your relationships, as well as the harvest and the yield and the productivity you'll find in each of those relationships as well. So thank you, Craig, for your time today
1: man, this was amazing. I, I loved it. I loved it. And I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. This is so powerful. This is going to touch so many lives. Mm,
0: thanks. So man. excited. I appreciate yes. you. Thank yes, you. I appreciate I'm definitely so going to have you back. And for today, I have to say goodbye. But thank you, everybody, for following and join us for the next episode. And please be sure to subscribe and share so more people can know about this awesome resource. Bye, guys. Hey friends, thanks for listening. We would love for you to get plugged in with the Unlock You community. So follow the links below and stay up to date with upcoming content, events, and groups. We are here to invest in you and tailor episodes around your interests, post comments, and hey, if there are any specific topics you'd like to hear about, let us know so we can strategically build content that is meaningful to you. And will you share this podcast so we can invest into more amazing people? Be sure to hit subscribe so we can see you for the next episode.